on Thursday morning, as I was beginning to prepare for uh, for this morning, um, before I got down to looking at the Word of God, I checked the BBC News headlines, which I do every day, and one of the headlines just caught my attention. And this is what it was. It's the price of peace between Israeli and Palestinians. The price of peace between Israelis and Palestinians. And so it grabbed my attention and I read the article. But with what I want to share this morning, I want to say firstly that in what I am sharing, I do not in any way want to undermine the scale of the horrors that have unfolded in the Middle East over the last two months. And I'm sure we're all horrified as we read the news. But I want to also state this morning that as a Bible-believing Christian, I am firmly on the side of and I stand up for Israel. For they are seeking to defend themselves against an evil act of terrorism and a terrorist organization that if it is left unchallenged would lead to even more evil atrocities and if the Israeli government withdrew now will lead to a greater evil in the future. But being on the side of Israel I also feel for those who are innocent victims among the Palestinians. But terrorism must be dealt with. And unfortunately, as in any form of conflict, sadly, it will mean that innocent civilians will be affected. It's part of the price that has to be paid for peace. And as Christians, we must pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We're instructed that in the word of God. And we must pray for the Jewish people who are still significant in the purposes and the plans of God that are yet to be outworked in the realm of time. And we must pray for the Jews that are still scattered amongst the nations of the world. Especially with what seems almost to be an unprecedented rise of anti-Semitism, particularly from a younger generation that today seem to be controlled by woke ideology. But also, sadly, from those of an older generation who should know better because what has happened in the past. And those who are seeking to find a solution keep asking what is going to be the price of peace. Well, what we do know is it's going to cost. 
it's going to cost. Now having mentioned this as I've said, and not wanting to undermine the scale of the horror that is happening, we also wonder the same for the Ukraine. Because let's not forget there's still turmoil in that part of the world. And so as we celebrate this Christmas with ease, as we celebrate this Christmas without worry, let us make sure that we spend time to pray for the troubled nations, for those who have become displaced, and for those who are unfortunate in suffering as civilians within the boundaries of those lands. But this morning I want to take a part of that BBC News headline as my title or my subject matter for this morning. And it's this. Four words. The price of peace. The price of peace. And I want to consider it this morning on a scale that is even of greater significance than the situation that's taking place in the Middle East. And that is this morning, the price of peace between God and man. The price of peace between God and man. See, since the time of the creation, or at least very soon afterwards, there has been a conflict that's been taking place on the earth, which we could call it the conflict of good versus evil. And I don't need this morning to highlight what happened in the Garden of Eden other than to remind us that ever since then a battle has been raging. A battle has been working out through the utter depravity of mankind. Men and women, mankind stooping to evils that we wouldn't even want to talk about this morning in the house of God. Things that are going on in the public place. Because something else happened in the garden at the same time as when sin entered into this world. And it is this. The harmony, the accord, the fellowship and the joy that was to be found between God and mankind was broken. Peace, we could say, vanished out through the window. And ever since, mankind has been estranged from God, alienated from God, afar off, and dead in his trespasses and sin. But I also want to make it clear this morning that when sin entered into the world at that moment, that God was not caught out. God was not caught out. He knew what would happen before it happened. But excuse my imagination, but I can visualize a meeting in heaven sometime in eternity past 
between the three persons of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine in my mind a big white board hanging on the wall in heaven. And in black writing across the top of the board, these words. The price of peace. The price of peace. See, for even before mankind sinned, even before God had formed man from out of the dust of the ground, and even before the foundation of the world was laid, God knew what would happen. And that a price would have to be paid to bring about peace between himself and mankind again. And even with knowing what would happen, and what the price for peace would be, God still went ahead with his creation plan. That astounds me. It astounds me. And the price for peace was going to be absolutely colossal. God himself would become a man. For as that meeting took place in heaven, the son said, I will go and I will do something about it. <clears throat> and in my mind, I hear the Holy Spirit saying, what will you do? And the son replies, well, I'll become a man. I will live amongst them and then I will die for them. I will do whatever is needed regardless of the cost to be able to bring reconciliation and peace between us and mankind. And then the Holy Spirit would say, and why? Well, Jesus would reply, we all know the three of us. Even before we create mankind, we will love them despite whatever. And the greatest way to demonstrate that love for them would be to die for them. And the Holy Spirit says, are you really sure? And Jesus says, absolutely. No ifs, no buts. This is exactly what I'm willing to do. And so we come to Galatians 4. I mentioned it on Friday. And Ian mentioned to me afterwards on Friday that he'd mentioned it last Sunday morning. But it's such an important verse. Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now I want to bring a reading from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read from verse 8. <coughs> and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly <coughs> hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. <clears throat> and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. What Luke has recorded for us here in this chapter is the commencement in time of the plan that had been put into place even before the foundation of the world to bring about peace again between God and man. See, the first part of the cost was that the Son was willing to become flesh and to dwell amongst men as a man. Imagine what it must have been for the eternal Son to leave the glory of heaven and to come and live in this sin-sick world. To dwell amongst sinners. But he was willing. He was willing. And by a miracle of the Holy Spirit, the son would be placed as a fetus into the womb of a virgin called Mary. He would then be born as a baby and placed in a manger in a city called Bethlehem. And he would be given an earthly name, the name of Jesus. And why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And the second part of the cost was that as he grew up, he would eventually be rejected by men and women. And even though he'd spent the best part of 33 years doing good, working some astonishing miracles, he was bringing healing to the sick, he was teaching some astonishing things, and yet those who he came for would reject him, moving him towards the ultimate part of the cost to bring peace between man and God and that of laying down his life as an atoning sacrifice for the sins of the world. And yes, even as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate his arrival into this world, we cannot avoid the reason why he came. He came to pay the price. He came to pay the tremendous cost for your sin and for my sin. And so at the same time, 
when we're celebrating Christmas, we must always point towards Calvary because he was born with the purpose to die. It was there at Calvary that the final and the full price for peace was made and became evident for all to see. And often we sing the words of that song, he took my sins and my sorrows. And I turn it around and say, he took your sins and your sorrows. He took our sins. He took our sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Listen to what Peter has to say in 1 Peter 1, 18 to 21. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. The price of peace. It was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine Mary picking up the child. <coughs> Taking the baby Jesus from out of the manger and holding his body close to hers. His body would have been warm. She would have felt his pulse, even maybe heard his heartbeat as his blood flowed through his artery and veins. And I believe that as Mary was holding the baby Jesus like that, she would have felt such an incredible sense of love towards him and an incredible sense of maternal protection. But the day was going to arrive that the same blood that Mary felt the warmth of would begin to drip and to be spilt and then to flow as he would be taken and he would be beaten and he would be horrifically crucified on a Roman cross which is an emblem of suffering and shame. And yet Jesus was willing. Exactly for the reason that we learn from 1, from 1 John chapter 1 verse 10 that says that even though we didn't love God, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And he was willing because as the son of God, Jesus loved us and he was willing to give his life up for each one of us. And that is the real and the powerful price of peace. For Paul reminds us that as a result of the ultimate sacrifice that Christ has made on our behalf, having come to in by grace and through faith, that we this morning have peace with God. And how, Paul says, 
It's through our Lord Jesus Christ. The price is paid. The price is paid. Come let us enter in to all that Jesus died to make our own for every sin. More than enough he gave and brought our freedom from each guilty stain. The price is paid. Hallelujah. Amazing grace so strong and sure. And so with all my heart, my life in every part, I live to thank you for the price is paid. The price is paid. See Satan flee away. For Jesus crucified destroys his power. No more to pay. Let accusation cease. In Christ there is no condemnation. Now. The price is paid. And by that scourge and cruel. He took our sicknesses as if his own. And by his wounds his body broken there. His healing touch may now by faith be known. The price is paid. Worthy the Lamb we cry, eternity shall never cease his praise. The church of Christ shall rule upon the earth in Jesus' name. We have authority. What price? The price was the precious blood of Jesus. And let me close with looking again at Luke chapter 2. Since we moved here nearly four years, can't believe how time has flown. But since we've moved here, time and time again, it even happened yesterday, when I got into, get into conversation with folk who don't know me, they immediately pick up that I've got a different accent. It happens all the time. But on a couple of occasions, when people have picked up on my accent, they turned to me and they said, you're not from around here. And then they continued with this, these words. They said, you sound like a country bumpkin. You sound like a country bumpkin. Well, if they meant it in a derogatory way, it didn't offend me. It doesn't offend me. For yes, I am a country bumpkin. I grew up on a farm in the countryside. I'm a farmer's son. So I don't mind being class as a country bumpkin. But I'll tell you another reason why it doesn't offend me or doesn't even bother me. And this is the reason the first people to hear that the Son of God had arrived in this world to be the saviour of the world were also country bumpkins. Praise the Lord. He came to the shepherds who were out in the fields watching over their flocks. So God loves country bumpkins. And he loves you a lot too. He loves you as well. But what were they told? What were these country bumpkins told? Verses 10 to 14. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy <coughs> that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, 
And this is the line I want to pick out this morning. And on earth peace. And on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Jesus came to bring peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And those to whom this peace will belong is to those who come and they recognize who Jesus really is and what he came to do and gladly and willingly will surrender their hearts and lives to him. These alone are the only ones who will know what this peace truly is that has been provided at such a tremendous cost. The price of peace is being paid in full and if we're willing to receive it, it brings to us eternal consequences. And so before I close this morning, I want to challenge each one of us. Have we come to know this one? Yes, his name shall be called Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. And in his dying, he's reconciling lost humanity back to God. Perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus this morning. You've never made that prayer of confession and surrender then this morning you don't know what it is to know the peace of God you're still cut off from him you're still alienated from him you're still like a lost sheep that's gone astray you know nothing of the peace of God you may talk about it you might sing about it but you don't know that peace because you've not yet because of coming to the cross been reconciled to God and to be brought again into his household of faith. So what about making this Christmas the time when you surrender your life to Jesus, the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice to bring you back into fellowship with God?